I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to come back to this a few times today, but through the coming months, and I had all these people reach out to me and say, God saved your church. So, well, first off, it's the building, not the church. Well, God saved the building. I said, I know. And nine families in our church lost their homes. And I just didn't know what the right response to say was. And I've been wrestling with it. And I know given the choice, hey, Matt, would you rather this building be gone or nine homes be gone of families in your church? Take the building. But that's not how it went. And so over this year, all of us have walked through our different story and our different experiences and the healing in the morning. Uh, I've asked four families who all had either complete or partial loss of their homes to come up, and they are going to share a little bit of their story this past year with each of us. So why don't those families come on up right now? These guys are really excited to be part of this uh, We Lost Our House Club. <laughs> right? Um, so they'll, they'll introduce themselves to us uh, as we go here. But we'll start here. I um, just want to ask, we kind of... I talked a little bit about my story over those first few days of the fire. I'd love for you guys just to share what, what, what was really that most striking memory for you for the first week after the fire. I'm Yvonne Williams, my husband Warren. Um, we, I stood in the window of our house and I saw the flames on the other side of the highway and I said, we're going to be all right. We're going to be safe. Before the word safe came out of my mouth, the flames were at our house 20 feet high. It was that quick. So I ran to the barn to try to save the horses. My husband thoughtfully decided, do I want to save my wife or my horse? Chose the wife, put me in the car, and uh, I thought we could get back. I thought we'd go a little ways and we'd come back and save the horses. And we started to run up the street, and the fireman stopped us, and he said, Lady, we're here to save lives. I thought, okay. But as the camera has told our story just recently, um, there was this group of early 20s kids in Castle Rock at a prayer service late at night, and God told them, come to Boulder and save horses. And they did. And their faith led them through fire and they save the horses um so my name is missy petty and uh just to provide a little bit of background we our house was a partial burn um so we were kind of on a boundary of fully burned neighborhoods and then ones that were um managed to you know be saved and and the thing that I remember most that first week, like everything is a blur. And so then I just had these little pieces of memories of just like, you know, little snapshots of things. But the thing that really sticks with me is the soot um, and the smell. So our house was partially burned. It, it burned through one wall and me not 
fully understanding like the damage that fires can do, I was like, oh, we just patched the hole and we're good. And, um, but then when we went in the house, like, because it was so windy, it had, the soot had just coated everything. And it had gotten really hot, so like, I don't know how, what um, drywall and ceilings are really made up of, but there was like a component that melted. And it was hanging down in these spider webs, like on the walls and from the ceiling. It was really weird. And so the first couple of days, we just, you know, went in the house to assess damage, and we're walking around and touching stuff, and soot would just, just jump on us, it felt like. And, and there was this burnt smell, and um, we would come home and have to take a shower. So then, you know, then we realized, okay, we have to wear clothes that we aren't going to want to wear afterwards because <laughs> you had to wash the clothes when you went over to the house. And then, and then we realized we probably shouldn't be touching it with our hands, you know, and maybe we should wear like a, some sort of mask. And so as the week evolved, we started wearing more protective gear. But, you know, I just don't ever think I'll forget that feeling of walking in our house and really not wanting to touch anything and everything just being coated in it. Hmm. All right, well, I'm Heather Spicer, and this is my husband, Adam Spicer. A um, little bit of background about us. We are a partial burn as well. Um, we live in a neighborhood where there were 141 homes, and there are now only three left standing. Um, so it got really close to us. but. The thing that I remember the most, like the week after the fire, was I was to start a new job. And my new job was the kids ministry assistant um, under Ruth Williams, who was the interim director at the time. And I started my new job the week after the fire. And just the amount of grace she had with me and all of the fruits of the spirit just flowed out of her with me as I navigated a brand new job and the devastation of the fires. Mm. My name is David Goddard. Uh, my home was a total loss in the fire. And, you know, when the question was asked, what's the memory that stands out the week afterwards? You know, what jumped out to me was actually the service that we had over at Flatirons Church. And that was really the first moment that it, it emotionally hit me of what had happened. My daughters were with me. And the support of everyone coming up and, and giving me hugs. But the thing that really stood out to me was, was Tyler Adams came up, gave me a big hug. And it, it dawned on me that I didn't have a Bible anymore. So the, the Bibles that I had on my bedside table were both my dad and my uncles from when they were kids. And Tyler looked at me, he's like, that I can solve. <laughs> I don't know where he got it. But he came back two minutes later and said, here, take this one. And it's been with me ever since, and it's been either on my bedside table or on my dining room table. It's just, it's been close by because now I had a Bible again, and I had that, that rock that, again, I felt like I had lost. And so that was what really stood out to me. Hmm. I don't know where Tyler is, but thank you. Hmm. You guys, how, how are you now? How are you now? And, and have you, what have you seen God do? this year in, in your life and as you've navigated so much difficulty? Well, to answer the first question, um, you can answer it thinking that you are okay. 
So you can say, I'm okay, and then you know you're not because you don't make decisions the same way you used to and you have to kind of catch yourself. And trauma does have an effect on you. You don't know it, and sometimes it sneaks up on you and you really don't know it. But it does have the effect, and so you work through that. <clears throat> so how am I now? I'm, I'm still working through some of those things. Um, what do I remember about how everything progressed? Well, I, I can say that the first thing that I felt was anger toward the enemy, because I could see his fingerprints all over that, and killing, stealing, and destroying. And so there was a, a deep set of anger for a while, but uh, that faded and realized that God was sending compassion and he was sending some really nice things to people. Favor was on its way, and the first thing that, that I remember about that was we realized that our horses were saved by people who drove 60 miles. Compassion was great there. That's Christian love. But the thing that I remember most about what happened following is the outpouring of the body of Christ. The outpouring of the body of Christ through Samaritan's Purse, through just people uh, working together. This church was especially uh, involved in, in favor towards us and towards so many others, people that went through and sifted with the uh, Samaritan's Purse. Our neighbor got a Bible from Samaritan's Purse. And she refers to the people that gave it to her as the purse people. The, uh, <laughs> she said, you know, this Bible is, is interesting. It has words in the front that you can look up, and you don't have to read the whole thing to get to it. So, <laughs> but the, the uh, first responders, beautiful people. Our house was burning. Our house was on fire in the back. Our barn was gone. We thought our horses were dead. Um, First responders were in the neighborhood. First responders put the fire out on our house and the house next door. So we had one neighbor. Seven houses were saved out of 77. What I remember is that the body of Christ mobilized. The body of Christ showed up, and they worked, and they blessed people throughout the community, prayed for people. The, the level of compassion was extreme. Uh, to the question of... Um, how are we doing now? There's one word that sums it up for me and my wife. We're exhausted. <laughs> Absolutely exhausted. I can truly tell you sitting here since that night, uh, I've never slept. I haven't slept a full night. It's like having multiple jobs uh, is all, that's the only way I can explain it. You're trying to do your full-time job, and at the same time, you're trying to rebuild this thing that you call home, and it is exhausting. What have we learned as a part of this? Um, God does not promise you prosperity. He promises you salvation. Um, the other aspect of what we've learned is that uh, we are both... Um, individuals that have worked diligently at our jobs and bottom line is we're control freaks <laughs> and <laughs> yeah <laughs> no you are <laughs> yeah, I am, I know. <laughs> and god god's like you got to give it up i got you i got you i'm going to teach you some things through this process and you are going to have to step back and allow me to come in 
and take care of you. And a part of that is allowing, we've always been those individuals who want to give, and we had to allow individuals to give to us and relinquish that control. As Kevin was saying, yes, exhausting is it. It's like a full-time job. And so to answer the question how we're doing now, we're, we're feeling the test has been patience. And I think we're doing well. We still have some ways to go. Structurally, we, uh, we were able to get back in the house. Um, so that's going well. We're excited about that. And maybe by spring, we may have everything completed on the punch list. Um, we also have animals as well. We had six chickens, so they got a little smoked. So we have smoked chicken now. Yeah. <laughs> And eggs as well. <laughs> but um, so we're very blessed in that aspect of things. The kids were um, doing well in school and so forth. Um, but to answer the question, how have we seen God work in this past year? And it's been pretty amazing to see the outpouring of support from the community, from friends, from family. Um, you know, that first night when you think, oh, we'll be back in a few weeks or days or whatever that is, and then realize, where are we going to stay tonight? I have no idea. And we were so blessed that God provided an opportunity immediately with a family of Schoenweisses, and we got to stay with them for the next 20 weeks, thinking, oh, it'll be two weeks, we'll be back. No. And they were so generous and saying, you can stay as long as you need, even if it's a year long. I'm thinking, a year? How could that possibly take a year to get all this stuff done? I know nothing, clearly. But we were just so blessed for them and helped us get through that difficult time. And just all the meals that provided to us is unbelievable. There's, you know, thinking back together, there was not one time that we can think of any need that we had that was not met. God had already knew what we were going to need, and things were already in place before we even knew what our needs were through our life group, through our friend groups, through all these different community activities, all sorts of stuff that we just had all these needs met. Um, even in our life group, we were thinking, well, we host our life group at our house, but we can't meet there. And our life group was fantastic, which usually sits over here. Yeah, they're amazing. They stepped up in generous ways between praying for us, loving on us, and even just hosting in their homes and leading worship, or not worship, but the leading the lessons, rather. And that was just truly blessed us and filled us. When we had so little to give, they just stepped up for us in many ways, which was so thankful. So thank you all for that. I appreciate that. And even another need, we had our um, vehicle totaled to the smoke. And so we're like, what are we going to do? We're going down to one vehicle. We both have two different jobs, going different directions. And out of the blue, we get a phone call from somebody. said, we've been praying for you. We've been thinking about you. And here is a vehicle we'd like to just donate to you. Boom. Another thing that God did just provided. So it's just been amazing to see his provisions throughout this year. And one of the things that we were humbled because we like to help people as well, and it's hard for us to ask for help. And that's one of the teachings I think we had this year is to be in a position to, to humble ourselves so that we could accept the help. And we even had opportunities through um, the, it was a, the, the kingdom assignment. Um, we even found an opportunity to help others still through the time, even though we were still needing things and help, needing help, um, we were still able to help others, and God provided that opportunity for us as well. So. To summarize this fast, we were just really blessed with, and amazed by what God had in store. Even though we see ashes, we see devastation, there are so many beautiful things that happen behind the scenes, and God's hand was in that. Well, I think the common theme is that most of us up here aren't good at accepting help, but we were forced to quite a bit on the same way. Uh, but the, as far as how I'm doing now, I'm, I'm an odd duck. I'm always doing fine, no matter what's going on in my life. It just... It doesn't seem to phase me. Um, 
So I'm doing well, and the house is being rebuilt. So I'm very blessed that the roof is going up, and you know we're looking at moving in hopefully this summer, but more than likely the fall, and be back in our home. Um, the biggest thing as far as what God pointed out to me was community. It, it was amazing to me the, the arms that came around and showed up, and people I didn't expect without asking showed up. And again, they kind of had to because I was not good at asking, hey, I could use help with this, and people will just show up and help. Um, I've gotten to know neighbors that I've had on my block for five, six years I'd never said hello to that I now know and talk to on a regular basis. And I think the lesson for me is after being with COVID and so many people being so isolated, this like forced us to get out and meet each other, see each other more, at least for, for me being affected with this. I was pushed to be more active and to see people out in public and to get to know people that I should have known beforehand. Um, that God kind of said, here, I'm going to push you, I'm going to make you accept help, and I'm going to make you get to know the people around you that you should know anyway. And so it's been a, people think that I'm, again, an odd duck sometimes when I say that this has been a blessing in a lot of ways that I would never have expected. Let me just summarize what Dave said. He said, um, get to know your neighbors or God will burn your house down. <laughs> Right? Was that the... <laughs> um, hey, these, these four families uh, sit in front of us as for who they are and their true stories of what you guys have walked through, but also what you represent and the families, you know, over a thousand homes that were destroyed and, and even more so. So I think we just want to, as this community, want to thank you guys for being willing to come up and share some of your stories and some of your lessons. It's been grateful. Thank you for also being able to receive help. You guys are the givers. You, I know you. You are givers. And thank you for even leading us and humbling yourself to receive and let us help you this year. So friends and church, let's give them a hand and thank you. We're going to remember, and we're going to honor. We're going to specifically honor two people this morning. And the first person that we're going to honor and be able to thank is a first responder and is a, a firefighter. Um, she was... Uh, paramedic with the Louisville Fire Department through um, up to 2021, and uh, she's now the EMS captain for the Louisville Fire Department on, the October, on December 30th of, uh, <coughs> of last year. She was doing a CPR training <coughs> when the smoke started swirling and the, the calls started coming in. She was given uh, an assignment on a uh, brush truck right out of the station here off Via Appia and said, hey, go, go up right behind, which actually a number of us who are on this stage, that's where our homes are, and said, go, go up behind the station there and be putting out and, and embers were coming across and the fire was spreading and 
she was able to help with the team putting out a bunch of spot fires and as embers were coming across. And as she's been able to look back on it, realize, wow, our team actually was able to save a number of homes in those first hours and, and what was going on. But then as the night continued, uh, she was asked to move and get onto a bigger rig and go fight the fire. Um, just if we go, I don't even know the name of, but just to the south of Harper Lake and into that area. She would fight the fire. And then move and fight the fire and move and zero visibility um, for the first time in her many years serving in this capacity. She thought, I think I'm going to die. I don't think I'm going to make it through tonight. Uh, they train, firefighters train for difficult situations. This was different, different thing they'd ever seen. Most of the firefighters who fought the fire that night, thought they were going to die. And this woman has at least six different stories of places which she's heard from some of her other firefighters where they, they just had to drop hoses and run because the fire was moving so quickly and swirling so hot. Uh, as she and I spoke, she said, Matt, who said, listen, we are trained, firefighters are trained for really difficult fire situations like this. And even though this was beyond, she said, I am so impressed by the police officers who were not trained for fire and, and who were going door to door. And what they were doing to rescue people, to save people. to help people. Um, so, of course, when I called Sean and asked her if she would let us recognize her this morning, she said, oh. <laughs> um, but then she realizes that it's important for her and for us um, to be able to thank her and her comrades, and, and the first responders. So, Sean, could you come up? Sean, just, just say what's on your heart. Um, okay, so I didn't realize, I kind of felt like I was past it a little bit, but I was getting really teary when you were telling my story. Um, yeah, it was traumatic, and I, it's nothing like the people that lost their houses. That's a whole different story, but all of us that fought that fire, um, it was a big trauma, and we're still kind of recovering, obviously. Um, I thought I was better, but um, there's really just nothing that can prepare you to see the city that you call your home. I mean, I've lived in Louisville for 30 years or so, um, and think that the whole city was going to be gone. Um, 
that was just absolutely terrible. But uh, there, were some, there were some blessings in it all, too, um, lots of blessings. One thing, and I think it's a common theme that uh, we've heard other people talk about, was just the community um, and what that felt like. And um, I don't know if there are any other firefighters in here, but the community loves us. They don't love police, police officers the way they love us, <laughs> which is a shame. It really is a shame, but they love us. And in the weeks and months after the fire, uh, they came by our stations. They brought us thousands of dollars of gift cards, which was well-intentioned, but we were fine. We weren't the ones that needed the gift cards. It was all the people that lost in the fire. And so our chief collected them all and then donated them. Um, they brought food, which they brought junk food, which we didn't really need. <laughs> but the most touching thing that they brought for us was posters um, drawn by kids in their classrooms. And, and our fire stations, all three of our fire stations are completely covered with, still to this day, with the thank you posters that all the kids drew and the pictures of all of us fighting fires <laughs> that they drew in crayon, which is really really, really nice. Not just in the public areas of the stations, but even in the uh, living quarters, there's posters all over the walls, which was, um, I can't even tell you what a blessing that is. Also, one thing, uh, one moment that I distinctly remember was um, going to the station, going to work a few months after the fire, and I don't remember when it was, but every day I had to drive there to station two on Via Appia and see all the, you know, we knew what happened that night, but um, it's really difficult to see it every day, drive to work and pass by all the burned up areas. And uh, one day I went to work and it was astonishing because the grass was coming up and it was brilliant green. Like, I can't even tell you. Those fields there behind the station were just vibrant um, and growing. And that was such a blessing just to realize that there is regrowth. And in the same way, when the houses have started coming up, it's been... Uh, very, very healing just to see that people are able to go on with their lives and rebuild and um, what else? What else do you want to know? <laughs> oh, we can ask all kinds of questions, but Sean, we're not going to. That, that's, that's enough. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So we're going to honor and thank someone else uh, in our community here, and that those first responders had a certain role in saving and helping and caring for our community. And then as we look around and talk about, we, we, we've mentioned it multiple times already, man, it's watching green grass come up, there's something like cathartic and hopeful and reminding. Watching these homes being built is like, yes, we will recover, we will come back, and it's hopeful. Uh, Matt Kruger. <laughs> Matt is, uh, first off, Matt's a great friend for like since high school mm -hmm. of, of, of me. And, uh, <laughs> and he's mad because I didn't tell him we were going to do this. <laughs> um, but I've, 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 I walk with Matt in life. We are really good friends. Matt and his brothers own a uh, construction company, a home building company built by Kruger. They, uh, he's a native of this area. 
when the fire swept through, the next day he started getting calls. He, how, many, how many families reached out to you? Um, that I can't keep count on. I know I sat with over 150 people in my office hearing their stories and listening to what's going on in their lives and how can, how can I help? How can, what do we do? Like my friends, my neighbors, all I wanted to do was like help and at the same time guide them. I was like, I was put in this position for some reason and I really wanted to guide and it wasn't easy and finding that path has been interesting. So you get, you get 150 people come and say, hey, can, you know, could you rebuild our home? And, and how many homes are you guys rebuilding? 11. So right now they're, they're, they're rebuilding 11 homes and working with 11 families. And with that, that's been, let me just tell you guys, it is very difficult even being in his role. And you guys know all the building costs and supply chain issues and, and people issues, all of the stuff that's going on. And so for these home builders to come who also, Kruger's like a tough cat. He's a tough dude. He's also like a teddy bear and sensitive. And he feels this. He's like, wait, am I, am I building, am I a home builder or a counselor? Because I sit with people who weep every day. And I, I hold this. And some of them I can help and some of them I can't help. And God, I'm going to have to be able to let go and have to trust you in some ways. So Matt has had a unique burden and continues to carry a unique burden. But let me just share what it costs for the people who are even stepping up to help rebuild this community and care for families in it. They are paying a price as well. They are paying a price. So Matt, for who you are and who you represent, we honor you and we thank you. Right? Thank you. It's, it, I was with Matt when, we, when you took that picture up at Wanaka, and then the one up here, and we're just like, he, how are you going to pastor through this, Matt? And he's like, how are you going to pastor through this, Matt? Because that's really, he's challenged me through this process to say, you're pastoring these people. You're part of our body, and you have to do this as well. And so, you as well, my brother. Um, there's a... I'm not the only builder in this room. I'm not the only person who is helping people rebuild their lives uh, or at least rebuild their homes. Um, you know, you got Troy Miller over here. Yeah, Mr. Wallace, who's, you know, really working with a lot of the builders, uh, engineering their homes. And it's exciting, like Sean said, to see that green grass come up. The beauty from ashes is awesome. Amen. Hey, here, wait, take a, take a card and give it to Sean, too, to thank you guys. <clears throat> Do you hear what he said? He said, gift card, here's a gift card. <laughs> There's more truth to that than you know, and I'm not, I'll tell you guys on the side later. Um, as we thank and honor people, I, you... Everyone here needs to receive some thanks. Everyone here stepped up and did something, 
okay, of the nine families that lost homes in our church, uh, that we had people step up and be wraparound leaders and, and be a main point of contact. The church, over $100,000 came through our church and was given out to families, uh, tons of all these gift cards, all of this other stuff. Um, one of the families that we were able to, that was a part of life groups here in our church, was the Hafers, a husband and wife who have three boys. They wanted to thank our church and to thank you for what you've done to help them. So here's a video from them. Hi, BBCC. Hafer family here. We'd like to thank you for all of the prayers and support over the last year. You guys have really been there for us all year from. The very beginning when you gave us gift cards for those very first shopping trips when we needed all the things to spices and handmade gifts um, to helping us out with some of those initial building rebuilding expenses um, you've been there for us all year thank you so much we really appreciate the love and the support and just feeling feeling held and um, held up by this community Nancy and Robin Dutton are another couple who they lost their home uh, completely. They wrote to our church. They weren't able to be here this morning, but wrote to our church. And they said, we wish we could be with everyone today. Uh, illness will not allow it. We escaped our home in 30 minutes with three cats, two people, and two cars. Our house burned shortly after. We went to the church parking lot to regroup, but the flames looked like they were going to burn the church. So off we went. We got safely out of our neighborhood and our house that we had lived in for 31 years. Friends in Boulder let us stay with them three days. Then God began to provide for us in ways we couldn't have imagined. Church friends that we met at this church 16 years ago let us move into their primary residence. Uh, this, this house had no stairs, and it was such a blessing because of some of the medical things we were walking through. We can't remember all the countless ways that Boulder Valley made our lives easier since, our, since the fire. Church members in Nancy's life group drove Nancy to the Disaster Relief Center. Plus, they did errands, delivered food, clothing, and many necessary toiletry items. The church provided prayers, guidance, comfort, lots of help. We would call the office, and they'd figure out how to help us with all kinds of needs. Volunteers called to see what we needed. We're grateful to Samaritan's Purse, who sifted through the ashes of our home. The church provided support, continually helping us year-round. In fact, the church is still supporting us in a variety of ways. The loving outreach has touched our hearts as we experience the effects of trauma and this new life that we had not expected. God has blessed us over the years. This church is one of the huge blessings of that. Now in this challenging time of need, God and the church brought us the support in unimaginable ways. Thank you, Boulder Valley Christian Church. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining us through these days. Hear that. Receive thanks. All right, there's another family who lost their home. Complete loss. They were in the enclave. Uh, Gary and Jerry Mansdorfer. They've been a part of this church for 20 plus years. They're not here this morning. They don't have a house, they're traveling. Gary wrote something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull out parts. And Gary sent this to me about a month, a month and a half ago. He said, Matt, here's some things that I've been learning 
And as, as I've sat in this experience, I want us to hear and I want us to be challenged a little bit by some of these things that Gary's been learning. Number one, he said, we do not know the day nor the hour when disaster might come upon us. They, they literally that day, they were finishing a total house remodel that for six months they'd been working on. Number two, and we've heard this said a number of times this morning. Lean into this and listen to this. We like to think that we're in control of all aspects of our life. We are not. Let me just read part of Gary's story. He said, as we, we fled our house, they, they left out of the enclave and went on to McCaslin and could, couldn't see anything. They were scared they were going to run into cars or homes or just to even be able to see the road in front of them. They, they, they got up, they went up McCaslin, came up onto the top of the hill and came down to the church. And it was at this time that they got a call from their security monitoring company that the smoke detector in the living room was going off. And then shortly after, another call. Did I say something weird? That the smoke detector in the bedroom was going off. This is the first indication that we might not be going back to our home in a few hours. This was a time of just waiting and watching. There was nothing we could do. It was completely out of our hands. We drove around for about an hour with the hope that we would be going home soon. It was not until late that evening when we got confirmation that our home, as well as most in our neighborhood, had been completely destroyed by the fire. When the storms of life come, we realize that the value and the depth of our relationships with God and other people are the most important things in our life. As news spread that we had lost our home, the outpouring of support, encouragement, and love from so many from all over the world was overwhelming. Sometimes you don't stop to think about how many people there are whose lives you have touched and who have touched your lives. And it's during a time like this when you realize how much love is coming back to you from all the relationships that you have poured yourself into over the years. And then Gary writes, when you realize how blessed you are, it flows into a posture of gratitude. It might seem strange, but when I awoke on the morning of December 31st and realized that we had lost our home, which was our most valuable asset, and all of our possessions, my overwhelming feeling was gratitude. I can't explain it completely, but to know that we were safe, our family was safe. At that time, I believe that no one had died. We later found out that two had I knew we had insurance, we had an incredible love from so many people, and it triggered gratitude. I also knew that our eternal hope is in Jesus, and that our worldly possessions paled in comparison. All of these things together brought me to a place of immense gratitude for everything we had, everything that was not physical possession that the fire could not destroy. 
The, pop, the proper response to being blessed is gratitude. Experiencing humble circumstances and discomfort is good for our emotional and our spiritual health. He says there's something freeing about not having so many possessions that we accumulate throughout our lives. My goal moving forward is to have the necessities of life, but to considerably restrict the amount of stuff that we accumulate. I know this is going to be a lot easier to say than to do. He writes, everyone will mourn differently. Everyone will mourn differently. And that's okay and good. The most important thing is that we deal with it. There are many tools, therapy, support of others, trusting, diving into God's word. Regardless of how each person is dealing with this loss, it's important to seek help according to your needs and level of mourning. Lean into the support offered. It's okay to mourn the loss of our homes and our stuff, but ultimately we need to keep in perspective that these things are treasures here on earth that moths and vermin and fire can destroy. A challenge for all of us throughout our lives, all of us throughout our lives, is to let go of the grip that materialism has on us. Let me read this scripture. We've been putting these up, and I'm going to have these lessons. I'm going to have stuff printed out if you guys want to grab kind of what Gary learned in the scriptures. I'm gonna, I'll have that for you at the back, but look at this one. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Gary writes, I feel that the last sentence in this scripture, from where your treasure is, there your heart will be, is one of the most profound bits of scripture. You have to think about it to really understand the implications. I mean, shouldn't it be where your heart is? That's where you invest your treasure? And there's certainly some truth to that corollary, but where the warning to our spiritual health comes in is that we really care about our treasure. And the more treasure we have, the more we care about it. And the more our heart is dedicated to that treasure, wherever it is invested. So the more of my treasure, which encompasses both my money and my time, that I've invested in my house or my stuff, the more my heart gets entwined into it. Gary writes, we cannot control much of the world around us, but we can control how we react to it. Every challenge and adversity that we face should be considered an opportunity for growth. Gary says, listen, the initial focus when we face tragedy is, is just survival. And we got so much we got to just take care of and survive, and that's a stage. But then as we do actually get through the initial stages, our ultimate goal should be to become stronger, wiser, more resilient, Friends, our community, hear this, our church, our community, this area, man, may we not just recover and build back, may we be stronger and wiser and more resilient, may we be changed. 
Just as we have to break down muscle to build it up stronger, our goal should be to grow stronger in the end. No one becomes wise without enduring the challenges that life throw at us. And this gives us a chance to gain wisdom. This challenge gives us the opportunity to develop resiliency and to practice contentment regardless of our circumstances. I know this is easier to say than to actually put into practice, but an important part of life is to have worthy goals. This is a goal that I want to strive towards. The last lesson, the last bit that Gary writes is this. We are pilgrims on this earth. Our time here is limited. Our focus should be on our eternal home more than the temporary one we live in now. Then he writes this powerful little line. After all, heaven doesn't burn. And for this section, he just writes scriptures. Scriptures like this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. So much of what we put so much value on is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. And then his final verse is one of the most powerful in all Scripture, right? That brings us back to what is unseen, to what is most internal. For God so loved the world. This is the God we believe in. God, did you save this building and did you burn other people's homes? Why didn't you stop the fire? There's questions we can ask that we will not get answers to. God, do you care? We started this service out with reading about people crying out and mourning from the Psalms from thousands of years ago. We cry out and we mourn. We, we mourn together and we heal together. And we remember and we honor and we praise one another and what we've done. But ultimately, God who so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, that we may believe in the truth of who you are, the substance of who you are, and that God cares. God loves. God gives of himself sacrificially that we may have life and eternal life and hope and renewed hope in him. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. You shouldn't. But to save the world. He's a first responder on the front lines. Now follow me. So much of this world will suck your soul dry. Come to me for life. I am living water. Stop asking God, what, did you do this? Where were you there? What? Ask God, who are you? You love, you care, you engage, you console. 
You challenge us and you grow us. And, and so every week we do communion as a church and as a community. And then we stand on what is sacrifice. It's God's love for the world that he, he took our sins upon himself. He said, let me pay the price. Let me burn down my house so your house can be. That's the character of who I am. That's the character of the God that we are, are called to entrust ourselves to. And so this morning, as we mourn together, as we heal together, let us be centered together in the truth of who God is and then who we are in Him.